Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about the latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Life Lessons from the Dog, 101 Tales of Family, Friendship, and Fun. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm good, Johnny. I'm very excited about this new book. I mean, it's so much fun to put out a a book with 101 dog stories. We always are sad when we finish editing one of these books because, I don't know, it's like putting together a Christmas book. You want to just keep going because the stories are so enjoyable. (laughs) They're extremely hilarious. I mean, it is a pleasure to read the book. What's exciting about this book is that it makes us connect with our pets, whether it's dog or cats. By the way, congratulations on this release. I believe it's today, correct? Yes, it is. And um, I think what happened for us is that we've always been uh, a publisher of very popular dog books. And we noticed we were Mm -hmm. getting so many stories about how dogs taught their owners life lessons that made them better humans Mm-hmm. And so we said, let's just put together a whole book of 101 stories of life lessons from the dog. And I made a list of some of the attributes that dogs have that help us to become better humans. I mean, these are some of the traits that were mm-hmm. mentioned in the stories in the book. So here are just a few of the traits that I think you'll be inspired to try to practice yourself (laughs) after reading the book. Okay, so faith, open minds, friendliness, loyalty, forgiveness, resilience, courage, acceptance, um, protectiveness, the ability to have fun, the ability to live Mm -hmm. in the moment, the ability to take pleasure in the little things, and also a love of the outdoors because most of us don't really get outdoors enough. (laughs) So these were just a few of the positive changes that I feel like I'm going to make in my life as a result of all the lessons from the fabulous dogs in this book. That's extremely true. What's exciting about it in the sense that over the decades, I believe, the relationship between humans and dogs have evolved as well because you have now that sort of it's a buddy. It's always been a buddy, but it's really a buddy-buddy now sort of a relationship, don't you think? Yeah, because I think a, a, a lower percentage of dogs are working dogs now, and mm-hmm, a higher percentage mm-hmm. are companion dogs. Right. And dogs make amazing companions. I mean, they are so therapeutic for right. their owners, and they get people to you know go and walk outdoors three times a day. They get humans to be flexible. I mean, there are so many stories about people who said, oh, the dog's never getting on the couch. The dog's never getting in the bed. Well, you know what happened. <laughs> a week later, the dog is in the bed and on the couch. Um, there's just, the, the dogs teach us so much. And so I think it has changed as dogs have become more viewed as indoor animals versus mm-hmm. outdoor animals or animals that sleep in the barn or wherever. Right, right. I agree with that. Totally agree with that because I have the same experience when I was growing up with my dog. He's part of the family. (laughs) You know what's interesting? I was thinking about children's books and how so often in children's books, 
we teach kids values and life lessons through mm-hmm. animals. You know, you'll have the Berenstein right. Bears or whoever, but kids learn a lot of their life lessons from animals. And I was thinking that human propensity to want to learn from animals, which is why we give children the, you know, the bears that teach them things. Right. That doesn't really change as we become adults. We can still learn from animals. And so <laughs> I really, I've really taken a lot away from this book. And I'm glad that we're, you know, getting into the warm weather now because right. one of the lessons I learned from the book is that I need to get outside every single day and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. American Humane is the benefactor for the book's royalties. Please tell us about the organization. So American Humane is an organization we work closely with in many different ways at Chicken Soup for the Soul. So they are the U.S.'s first national humane organization. They were actually founded in 1877, and they are an incredible organization that protects animals in the wild uh, animals on farms, animals on the sets of movies, animals uh, that are in zoos and aquariums. I mean, they, they have a whole program now where they actually will certify as humane zoos and aquariums because good zoos and aquariums are amazing places that are actually like giant shelters helping animals that you know, were discovered in the wild and were injured and were going to die. And then they mm-hmm. take them to a zoo or aquarium and they, they, you know, rehab them. And then if they're not able to go back out into the wild, then they live permanently in the zoo or the aquarium. So they're really like shelters. American mm-hmm. Humane works a lot with dogs and cats and they are very active in working with shelters and also they are huge in disaster relief. So when you see a big natural disaster in this country, a hurricane, a wildfire, um, an earthquake, flooding, anything like that, American Humane goes there. They have a combination of their employees and volunteers. They have the right trucks. They have all the right gear. They have the expertise. They hire a lot of, of, of ex-military, actually, and they Mm-hmm. basically mobilize for disasters and they go in and they save the pets and they keep the pets until their owners can come and get them. And they also will move shelters. So they'll move, you know, a whole shelter's worth of dogs and cats and rabbits mm-hmm. and guinea pigs and whatever other pets. And they will um, move them and keep them safe and then mm-hmm. reunite them with their owners when the disaster is over and so we've been supporting American Humane for years. This is um, our fourth dog book where royalties go to American Humane. And next month we're going to come out with our fourth cat book where royalties go to American <laughs> Humane. And we also donate tons of chicken soup for the soul, dog food, and cat food to American Humane's rescue efforts every year. Mm-hmm. And so tons of food go to those shelters and to those rescue efforts. Um, So we work with them very closely. We also, and this is very, very cool. Mm -hmm. We actually made a series of free eBooks, free F R E E three soup for the soul books that you can download for free from Kindle, Nook, Apple, you know, Apple iBooks, 
mm-hmm. uh, Google Books, wherever you like to get your ebooks. These are absolutely free. They're called Humane Heroes, and they are all about animal rescue, wildlife conservation, the very cool work that the really good zoos and aquariums are doing. I loved working on those books. And we also have a free curriculum that goes with Mm -hmm. those books so that teachers, elementary, middle school, and high school teachers can actually make some fun days for their students with this free curriculum where they read the free eBooks, and then Mm -hmm. there's some really cool projects that they do. So it's a really cool way of using the reading and writing time of the day in schools to cover subject matter that the kids find quite fascinating, which is, you know, all this animal welfare. It's really neat. Like there's one story I loved about um, a cheetah, a a little cheetah cub Mm -hmm. that was born and couldn't go in the adult cheetah population, but it needed a friend. And so they got it a Labrador puppy and then it grew up with the Labrador puppy until that two animals could be separated and the cheetah could go live with the the other cheetahs, and now the Labrador just visits the cheetah at the mm-hmm, zoo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So very cool. We're, we do a lot with American Humane, and I'm thrilled that we can support them with life lessons from the dog. That's beautiful. Totally wonderful information. Let me answer this. What makes a person a perfect owner? Maybe I need to flip the question, what makes a dog a perfect pet for a person? So you know if you should be a dog owner because you fall in love with a dog and you have that love to give and you're willing to put in the time. Because getting Mm -hmm. a dog is a big-time commitment. I mean, it's totally worth it, but you have to be there every single day. That dog has to go out. It has to be fed. Its health has to be looked after. It has to be brushed. It has to be snuggled with. You you know, that dog needs mm-hmm. snuggle mm-hmm. time. It's very important to it. So the dog will take a lot of your time, but it is so worth it. And I think the best way to figure out the perfect dog for you is to mm-hmm. actually go to a shelter and see who you fall in love with. And, you know, sometimes you go to a shelter and you're like, I'm getting a golden retriever, and you come home. Right with a, a little black dog. Like, you, you just don't know what you're gonna, who you're going to fall in love with, but you'll find each other at a shelter. And that's one of the things that we talk about a lot in this book is that mm-hmm. we hope that after people read a Chicken Soup for the Soul dog book, when they want to get a dog, the first place they'll think to look is their local shelter. And then mm-hmm. when they're there, we hope that they'll not just look at the puppies, but they'll also look at the older dogs, even the dogs that are one or two years old. The cool Mm -hmm. thing about doing that is you can actually see how big they're going to get, and you also get to see their personalities. Now their personalities are evident versus a puppy where you're not quite sure what you're getting. And the other thing we do is we talk a lot about pit bulls and pit bull mixes, which are actually very sweet. We talk Mm -hmm. about the value of adopting senior dogs, black dogs, and that's why we have a black dog on the cover of the book because for some reason people leave behind the large black dogs. So our cover features a large black dog and the dog is gorgeous. (laughs) Oh, talking about book covers. It's just totally awesome. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, we've definitely evolved our book covers. Um, We've made the chicken soup for the soul logo smaller and we 
are trying to make our book covers now look more like the covers of novels, and we try mm-hmm. to have you know one big image usually, and we also have been embossing the covers, which makes them you know much nicer to give as gifts. So mm-hmm. it looks really special. Um, we we don't skimp on our covers at all. We spend extra money to make them look as gorgeous as they do now. And I know people have been going crazy over this cover. <laughs> they really have. It's, uh, it, and I love it too. And that dog on the cover, he's just so soulful the way he looks straight into your right. eyes. Right, right. I love the idea of the glasses. You definitely want to adopt this dog. <laughs> Yeah, well, he looks like a professor, right? He looks like right, a dog you'd right. want to take home, but he also, with the with the glasses, looks like he's your professor who's just taught you a lot, and in fact, your dog will teach you a lot. Right, right. So it's amazing. I just love it. It's just beautiful. Do you have a personal dog stories to share? Well, I grew up with dogs. I mean, we always mm-hmm. had dogs. We had golden retrievers, and then we had an English sheepdog, and then we had Tibetan terriers, which are like small sheepdogs, mm-hmm. and uh, and bearded collies, which are like small sheepdogs. I mean, we just had every kind of fuzzy dog. My parents always got the dogs at reputable breeders. Mm-hmm. Uh, a reputable breeder is, you know, a family that has like one dog who they breed, and the dog has the puppies in the kitchen versus a disreputable breeder, which would be more like a puppy mill where there are 20 dogs mm-hmm. in a barn, and they're in cages, you know, and living a miserable life. You don't want to ever get a dog that way. Those dogs tend to be very unhealthy besides the fact Mm -hmm. you don't want to encourage that behavior. Um, But anyway, I was always, so I never was exposed to a dog adopted from a shelter until my daughter adopted her first dog from a shelter about eight years ago. And she adopted a pug Usually you can't find a purebred pug at a shelter mm-hmm. because pugs are very popular. The reason she was able to adopt a, a young purebred pug um, was because the dog is so defective. So this little mm. this little pug, whose name is Riley, was found wandering the streets of Pawtucket, Rhode Island. She looked like she had just had a litter of puppies. Maybe she had been you know, imprisoned in a puppy mill. But she was quite defective. She only has one eye that works. Her other eye is very tiny and it's Mm -hmm. blind. She only has one ear that seems to work. She doesn't have a lot of teeth on one side of her mouth. Her whole face is like smushed in funny. Mm -hmm. And so her her tongue hangs out all the time. She's really quite bizarre looking. And she's needed a lot of surgery. I mean, my daughter has spent thousands of dollars on medical care, but the dog is so sweet and really introduced me to the world of adoption. And I would never, I I would absolutely go to a shelter if I were getting a dog for myself in the future, because this dog is just the best. And and surprisingly, she was already um, house trained. She was probably about two years old when my daughter adopted her and she was perfectly house trained from the get go. It's a beautiful, amazing story. You're right, because we have this sense of everything needs to be perfect. So why go to the shelter thinking that, well, the dogs in the shelter are not perfect? And that's not true, because in the end, it's about the heart-to-heart connection with the dog that makes the difference. Everybody who adopts a shelter dog says that somehow the dog knows and the dog is grateful 
And there's mm-hmm. this special relationship that's layered on top of whatever the normal relationship would be with your dog. And it's the, this relationship of the dog knowing that you rescued him or her. Right. And everybody mm-hmm. says that their their dogs adopted from shelters are just their best dogs ever. Wonderful. So tell us, what are the chapters covered in the book? Oh, yeah, this was really fun, making the chapters. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, this is a really fun part of the creative process where I, I pick the 101 stories <laughs> that I want out of, you know, probably 500 finalists, and that's mm-hmm. out of, you know, several thousand submissions. And then I sit down and I try to come up with the fun chapter title. So our first chapter is called All in the Family, and it's just about, like, the dog's place in the family. And then the second chapter is called who's in charge here? And that's about the dog really being in charge. And of course, you know, if you have a pet, you know, the pet's in charge. The third chapter is about how dogs change their humans and really get them to open up to to people and relationships and love. And so that chapter is called opening hearts. And then the fourth chapter it's called Smart Dog, and it's about these amazingly clever dogs and the things that they do that really surprise us. And then the fifth chapter is called Canine Kindness, and it's about dogs just being so sweet that it blows your mind. The sixth chapter has those stories we all like to tell when our dogs <laughs> do something bad, and so the chapter is called My Very Good, Very Bad Dog. And then the seventh chapter is about resilience and forgiveness. And there you have some really, you know, heartbreaking stories about what the dogs mm-hmm. have been through and how they come out of these very tough situations where perhaps they were abused and yet they're still open to making a relationship with a new human and starting over. And it's just, it's really sweet and it gives you that um, lesson about how you can do the same as a human and get past, you know, the resentments and disappointments and anger you might have for actions against you in the past. And then mm-hmm. the eighth chapter is called Canine Comedy, and it's about dogs doing really <laughs> funny, silly things. The ninth chapter is called Always the Protector, because no matter what, that dog is going to protect you. And the sweetest dog in the world can turn into, like, a scary guard dog when needed. (laughs) And then chapter 10 is called Miracles Happen. And it's about those amazing coincidences and those miraculous things that sometimes happen. Mm -hmm. And so we just thought we would share some of those stories with our readers also. Wonderful. That's truly amazing. I can't wait for us to get into the various chapters. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading this delightful book? I'd love them to come away with a couple of character traits or or habits that they want to incorporate into their lives. Like maybe come away with what I did, which was I'm going to get out there and now and I'm going to take a walk every day, rain or shine, mm-hmm. because the dog does it. The dog's owners do it. I don't happen to have my own dog. I'm only privileged to have a dog in the house when I'm dog sitting for a grand dog. I have three grand dogs. So I'd love it if people came away saying, I'm going to go for a walk every day, or I'm going to practice forgiveness, or I'm going to keep an open mind the way that a dog does, or I'm going to find pleasure in the little things the way that a dog does. And I'd also like people to walk away saying, 
the next time I get a new dog, I'm going to get it at the shelter because that would be a wonderful thing to do. That's wonderful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Life Lessons from the Dog, 101 Tales of Family, Friendship, and Fun. Amy, let's talk about some of the stories in the book. I love chapter one, All in the Family. They have some wonderful stories in this chapter right here. But let's start with Our Weather Forecaster by Connie Backman. So this is about Connie's um, German Shepherd, who was so sweet, um, and but also, you know, a strong you know, a strong dog, so strong and yet gentle and shy at the same time. And, you know, a German Shepherd you view as being, you know, a brave, hardy dog. Well, if a stranger came to the house, the dog definitely acted like a German Shepherd and would frighten away intruders or people who were actually supposed to be welcome guests, but would still, you know, run away because the dog was ferocious until the owner said, no, no, this person is really an invited guest. But there was one side to this German Shepherd's personality that just didn't match her bravery in all other circumstances. And that was that she was absolutely terrified of thunder and lightning. And she would turn into a timid little puppy. And if it was a summer day and she just sensed that it was going to rain and there was going to be thunder and lightning later, she would dash inside and she would jump into the bathtub. And she insisted on getting into the bathtub for any thunder and lightning storm. And so that's what Connie talks about, this big, fierce German shepherd that, you know, turned into a little ball of frightened mush and was hiding in the bathtub during every lightning storm. And eventually, when the dog got older and she couldn't actually jump into the bathtub, she would go into their walk-in shower instead and hide in the shower. So I just thought that was really sweet, showing that this dog, no matter how ferocious she could be, had this side of her that was really very timid. I love the story. It really reminded me of my dog back in Malaysia, Pili. And what's interesting about him is that every time there's a thunderstorm, of course, as he gets older, perfectly like what you were talking about, where Pili would stick his head underneath my bed, but the entire half of the backside of his body is still sticking out. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. <laughs> They have no idea. They do that all the time. <laughs> Another story in chapter one is the definition of faithful is dog by Elizabeth Delissi. So this story, it's funny. I I shared this in um, one of the future episodes of my podcast, <laughs> and my producer, as he listened to me talk about the story, said he almost started crying because it was just so heartwarming. So this story is about Elizabeth's mother adopting a severely injured beagle from their local shelter. And her mother threw herself into making sure that this dog was treated by a veterinarian and then healed. And the dog would always walk with a limp, but he recovered enough you know, to become a longtime member of the family. And they always took him uh, with them wherever they went. And so one summer, 
they were making their usual road trip across the country to visit relatives. And the beagle, you know, was with them. And the beagle was so good when they would pull up to a gas station and everybody would get out to go to the bathroom. The beagle would jump out and, you know, do his business and then get back in the car and was very quiet and, you know, just like a very cooperative member of the family. So one time they all got back in the car and because the beagle was so quiet and always did it, nobody thought to look for the beagle. And it wasn't until hours later that they realized the beagle had never gotten back in the car. And so Elizabeth and her sister were sobbing. They drove hours back um, to try to find the beagle. It had been raining all day. <laughs> so it, was, it was raining when they were at that gas station. It's one reason why they all just jumped in the car and took off and didn't really pay attention. So maybe, you know, eight hours now had passed between when they left the beagle, realized it, and drove all the way back. And they drove back to the gas station. It's pitch black. It's still pouring rain. And there's the beagle faithfully standing in a downpour right where they left him, (laughs) patiently waiting for his people to return for him, knowing, trusting, having faith that, of course, they would come back for him. And they, they went and talked to a woman who was at a campsite nearby, and she said they tried to get the beagle, you know, to go inside to find some shelter, and the beagle just insisted on standing right where they had left him because he knew they would come back. It's a beautiful story. That is a classic commercial, don't you think? The very least. Except that it's so sad that they would leave the oh. beagle, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a beautiful story, though. I mean, you can just picture it. <laughs> I know. Happy I ending. Know. Yeah, and, and the dog got a lot of hamburgers that night, you know, because they there felt so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 2, who's in charge here? Walking Archer by Winter Prosapio. So this is a good one, and this is, this is one of the ones that got me thinking, okay, I'm just going to go out there and walk rain or shine, because if I had a dog, I would. And so Winter had never liked walking. She always said, well, I have a perfectly good car. But then she and her husband adopted a dog, and this dog had always lived outside, and so they had trouble housebreaking him. And then Winter realized that the best way to get him to be housebroken was to walk him frequently so that he could do his business outside and get used to that. And so she started out just taking him down the block, but he was so full of energy that before she knew it, winter had really turned into a walker and she was walking, you know, three miles a day. And she says, if I try to skip the walk on any given morning, he looks at me like I've announced that all the bacon in the world has disappeared, which I thought was a funny thing for her to say. So now she's walking three miles a day, and it's so good for her. And she says, every now and then I look at this little dog and I think, who is walking who? You know, because, of course, the dog is really walking her. The dog has become her personal trainer. It's a wonderful story. This is another one of those classic things whereby we change our lifestyle for the better because of the dog. And we just don't realize we just need that personal motivator, so to speak. And in this case, it's the wonderful dog. Yeah, people always say they not only lose weight, but they also realize they're starting to eat better food because they're paying attention Mm -hmm. to what the dog eats. And then they realize that they shouldn't be eating garbage You know, when they realize the dog is eating higher quality food than they are, they change the human food as well. That's true. So true. Chapter three, opening hearts. 
beautiful story, My Dog in Bhutan, by Evan Purcell. So Evan had only recently moved to Bhutan, and he was teaching English there, and he didn't know anybody, so he was really lonely. He just basically went to school every day and taught and then went home. And he also missed the dog that he'd had at his last assignment where he was teaching English in Tanzania. And then this stray dog decided to befriend him. Now, dogs are not really viewed as pets there in Bhutan, and so most people just shooed them away. But Evan would let this little dog into the classroom and feed him. And one night, Evan stayed late at school because he had nothing else to do. And that dog showed up and started barking at him. And he just kept barking and barking until Evan closed his laptop and followed him outside. And then that dog, with what Evan says was a real air of confidence, led him down the street to a bar. And the dog was welcomed at the bar. They knew him there. And Evan was welcomed. And that, and Evan says, that's when I realized that this dog had a lot to teach me. He wasn't mm-hmm. shy or self-conscious. Despite his mangy appearance, he simply walked into situations. Sometimes he was shooed away, but sometimes he'd make a friend. And so Evan made his first group of friends at that bar. And from then on, his social circle just kept growing, all because that dog forced him to go out that night. <laughs> Now, don't forget, Amy, this is in Bhutan, right? In Nepal, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So we're talking about spirituality right here. So things come in all shapes and forms. Like they always say, the dog is my best friend. And that's what you got. <laughs> yeah, it was. I thought that was great. Because dogs do teach you to be open to new friends, to new relationships. Because dogs themselves are so friendly and open to meeting new people. You know, they approach every day like it's going to be a wonderful, magical day and good things are going to happen. You know, they open their eyes every morning expecting it's going to be a good day and they see every new person as a potential friend. And so right. that is that is really a wonderful example for us, for us humans. So true. The next story in Chapter 3 is Don't Judge a Dog Bites Cover by Marilyn Wallace. And this is a wonderful, wonderful story. So this is an example of going to a shelter with a certain idea and then going home with a completely different dog. And in the case <laughs> of Marilyn and her husband, they had lost their golden retriever and they decided to rescue a dog from the local shelter. And they had a friend, Tim, who was caring for a dog there and thought that this dog would be perfect for them. But then when they went to meet the dog, they found that she was really unattractive. She was scrawny. She was almost hairless. She really looked awful. But she was so quiet and gentle, and she was so full of love that she was obviously waiting to give to them that their friend persuaded them, just take her home on a trial basis. So they took her home. Of course, they fell madly in love with her, and she started (laughs) looking like a real beauty to them. And they ended up having her for eight years. And Marilyn says that's why she realizes that one should never judge a book by its cover. And she's, of course, referring to that Mm -hmm. that phrase about never judge a book by its cover. But since our covers look fabulous, I say that's not true. You should definitely judge a book by its cover. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's wonderful. You're right, though, because when you are in a situation like that, and this is about people, and that's one thing I like about 
what you mentioned about dogs gets up in the morning ready to go. Whereas we get up in the morning and we have this laundry list in our head. <laughs> our to-do list never has be open to new things and find pleasure in something like sun coming in through the window. Our to-do lists yeah. never have that on them. Right. So true. Chapter four, Smart Dog, My Clever Dog Bubba Trick by Ken Pern. So this was funny because Ken got his dog Bubba as a puppy and he trained him using hand signals. So if Ken extended his palm downward, Bubba would lie down. And if Ken held one pinky up and wiggled it, that meant Bubba should dance. And Bubba would rise up on two legs, you know, like a circus dog and dance. And if Ken cupped his hand to his ear, that meant that Bubba should bark. And if he put his index finger to his lips, that meant that Bubba should stop. And so he taught the dog all these tricks. <laughs> and so one time he took the dog to his friend's place, and his friend thought he was really good at training dogs. And so his friend said, I bet I can teach him to do some neat tricks. And so his friend started using verbal commands like Bubba sit and Bubba wouldn't do anything. And then finally Ken stood behind his friend and started giving the hand signals to Bubba (laughs) and his friend didn't know it, but all the other guests at this event knew it. So they were all laughing while Ken was giving hand signals and his friend thought that he was actually getting the dog to learn tricks. And then Ken decided to have some fun with this. And one time he and Bubba were in Mexico So he pretended that Bubba could speak Spanish, and he started using the Spanish words for all these different commands. And everybody was amazed when the dog could follow the Spanish words, but actually Ken was using the hand signals. And then he told everybody the dog spoke Chinese, and he started pretending to speak Chinese and again doing the hand signals, and nobody really realized he was doing the hand signals. So he just had a lot of fun getting everybody to believe he had a multilingual dog. I want to be like him. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anybody could do it with their dog. You know, I bet somebody yeah. will do it after reading that story. It will give them an idea. I know. It would be kind of cool, isn't it? I mean, you're talking about like, hey, you're the guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know whether you're the guy or that's the dog. <laughs> Chapter 5, Canine Kindness, Clean Paws by Gwen Cooper. So this was really heartwarming because Gwen and her husband um, went to the shelter and rescued a a one-and-a-half-year-old bloodhound named Hunter. And Hunter had been through such a rough time. He had lived in five different homes already, and he was only a year and a half. And he had been severely malnourished in his most recent home. And so he was, you know, like 40 pounds underweight. (laughs) And so... Even though he was so thin, when they met him, he was happy, he was playful, he, you know, was really friendly, and they could just tell he was really looking for a family to give his love to. And so they brought him home, and he turned out to be incredibly sweet and very smart. You know, he learned commands, he learned their schedule, he was a really well-behaved dog, but he was always kind of insecure because he had been, you know, in five different homes already. So they could tell that he wasn't sure if they were going to keep him. But eventually, he caught on to the fact that this really was his final home. 
and they were in bed one night watching TV, snuggling with the dog, and the dog was cleaning his paws like he always did. And once he finished cleaning his four paws, he reached over and began licking Gwen's hands. And he cleaned both her hands thoroughly, and then he cleaned her feet, and then he cleaned her husband's hands and feet. Mm -hmm. And that became what he did after that. Every night after he cleaned his own paws, he would clean his owner's paws. So he would clean four more hands and four more feet. And that's what he always did with them. And so that was how they knew that he was secure, that he was always going to live with them. And I had I'd never heard about a dog doing that before. And I thought that was a really cool story. Yeah, I love it, too, because it's just sort of a nonverbal connection that you have. It's all in the action. And that action speaks so loud that it truly speaks from the dog's heart in terms of that wonderful family connection that we talk about here. So it's amazing. I love the story. Yeah, it was great. I mean, this is what people report when they have these dogs who they've rescued. The relationship between them is so strong. Mm-hmm. You know, the, mm-hmm. the the dogs really know that the humans are owed a special debt of gratitude. Yeah, it's amazing. Chapter 6. This is a fun chapter. My very good, very bad dog. Let's start with Cookie's Secret Life by Candace Chappell. So Candace lived half a mile from the nearest road, you know, very rural area, uh, but she had this golden retriever named Cookie. And Candace had two little kids, so in the morning, like, the dog would go out, and the dog might stay out all day having fun. And that was fine with Candace because the dog would come home at the end of the day. But Candace one day saw the dog's picture on Facebook. And from the house that was in the picture, Candace realized that the dog was at her neighbor's house. And she was a little miffed because the dog would never pose for a picture. And here the neighbor had a great picture of the dog on Facebook. (laughs) So Candace decided that she was going to follow Cookie one day. So she one day just went out and started following Cookie and Cookie went out and started walking on this path that a lot of people walked on. And she realized that everybody knew Cookie. And then she realized that Cookie was visiting all the neighbors. And it turned out that Cookie had five neighbors she visited regularly. Like one woman called one day named Barb. And Barb said that Cookie was over at her house and she was asking if Cookie could stay for dinner. And Candace thought, well, they've never invited me for dinner, but they're inviting the dog over for dinner. And then she ran into another neighbor at the grocery store one day, and the neighbor said, I haven't seen Cookie for a week. Is she okay? Like, she always visits us. And they've been away on vacation for a week, so that's why Cookie hadn't been making her Mm -hmm. normal rounds. And so then um, Candace walked out to the parking lot with this neighbor, and the neighbor saw Cookie, and Cookie went crazy when she saw her. And then the neighbor took a dog biscuit out of her purse and handed it to Cookie like she had been looking for Cookie to give her this dog biscuit. (laughs) So Candace actually went right back into the store and bought all kinds of treats for her dog because she realized now she had to compete. So it turned out that the dog, having, you know, made friends with five different neighbors and being a regular guest of all of them, it ended up turning Cookie into like the ambassador for Candace and her family and Candace ended up meeting all of the neighbors and that dog united the whole neighborhood socially. 
and mm-hmm. Candace started hanging out with all of the human na- neighbors who she met through her dog. So I thought that was really nice. The dog brought all these people together. It's a beautiful story. So I don't know. I kind of like this story as the good dog, don't you think? <laughs> well, that's why it's called my very good, very bad dog, because the dog was going out and, and you know, scoring extra treats all over the place. But on the other hand, the dog did this really nice thing of uniting all these humans. <laughs> the next story in this chapter is No Snacks for Judy by Kay Presto. Yeah, so I don't know if you've heard the term side hustle, where, mm-hmm. um, you know, people have like a way they make extra money on the side. Well, I think mm-hmm. this is a great example of a dog having a side hustle, scoring food on the side. <laughs> so, so Kay's dog, Judy, um, this was quite a, a long time ago when people didn't routinely spay their dogs. So they got this mm-hmm. dog, Judy, and then Judy got pregnant. And then once she had her litter, Kay's mother said, okay, we're getting the dog spayed. But it turned out when they took the dog to the vet, the vet said the dog is too overweight. She has to lose weight before she can go through the surgery. So they put the dog on a diet, but she wasn't losing any weight. And then they realized she was going through the neighbor's garbage cans. So then they talked to all the neighbors and everyone secured their garbage cans. So that was taken care of. And the dog still wasn't losing weight. And then one day, Kay went to the local ice cream parlor and discovered that the dog had been visiting the ice cream parlor every single day. And the kids who were customers there had been feeding the dog ice cream every single day. And nobody in Kay's family knew that the dog had been walking five blocks to the ice cream parlor every day. So that's why the dog wasn't losing weight. So then Kay went and told all the kids at the ice cream parlor, you cannot feed our dog anymore. She needs surgery. And so they finally stopped, and the dog lost weight, and she had her surgery, and that was it. But they they cut her off of the ice cream, but Kay realized that she was the one who had introduced the dog to the ice cream parlor and to ice cream in the first place, and she sounds a cautionary note here, like, do not take your dog to the ice cream parlor if it's within walking distance of your house, and do not feed your dog ice cream, because your dog will always want ice cream after that. (laughs) This is definitely the very bad dog story, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, if you're a dog and you're shown the way to the ice cream parlor and you're introduced to ice cream, what are you going to do? I'm in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Life Lessons from the Dog, 101 Tales of Family, Friendship, and Fun. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, Chapter 7 is really wonderful, Resilient and Forgiveness, A Gentle Healer by Nikki Rottenberg. So Nikki had this um, little dog that she brought home when she was six months old. So, you know, a little puppy. And um, her name was Sasha. And when Sasha turned three years old, Nikki started working out of the basement of their home. She had an office at home where she counseled women who had been through child abuse or rape, but, you know, had been through something really awful. Mm -hmm. 
And many of these women really had difficulty talking about it. It was hard for them to verbalize what had happened to them and discuss it with a stranger. And Nikki always, you know, made sure the dog wasn't there because this was her work, right? But the dog started sneaking in, like the dog would come down the stairs and then the client would see like this little nose peeking out. So finally, Nikki let the dog come into the counseling session because the client seemed to want it. And Mm -hmm. she discovered that the clients would pet the dog and the dog would sit in their laps. And once they had the dog with them and they could pet the dog, they would really open up. It made them feel calmer and more secure. And they would open up to her as their counselor and they would talk about what had happened to them. And so the dog became an integral part of her therapy practice. And I think that that was a good example of how dogs are such natural therapists. When you put a dog in someone's lap and the person's petting the dog, it just changes everything. The person calms down and the person feels more hopeful and the person opens up to the other humans in the room because the person has opened up to the dog. And we have so many stories in this book about dogs acting as natural therapists and helping people with depression, with anxiety, people recovering from trauma, people with PTSD, people on the autism spectrum. Everybody benefits from sharing the company of a dog. I agree. Totally agree. It reminded me of my mom back in Malaysia. I remember whenever she wanted to chill out, of course, at home she was wearing sarong, and she would just sit down on our floor in that sort of a, the yoga set, crossing your legs. When Pilly was small, a puppy, it was easy. He sort of just jumped into in between the legs and just sit there and cuddle up. Of course, when he gets so big, he can't do that because he's like a 90-pound dog, but he still insisted on doing that, so it gets real funny. <laughs> Whenever my the mom would sit on the floor. The big ones always want to be lap dogs, right? The big yeah. ones will kind of back up into your lap and plunk themselves down. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's so it's a funny part of it. I don't know whether it's helping my mom or helping the dog to chill out <laughs> when that happens. <laughs> My daughter has another rescue. It's an Australian cattle dog, so it's much bigger mm-hmm. than her pug. And that dog loves sitting in my daughter's lap and being held Aww. like a lap dog. The dog yeah, just yeah, gets yeah. this blissful look on his face. The big dogs always are the ones who want to snuggle in the laps. I know. <laughs> it's beautiful. Chapter 8, Canine Comedy, The Unwavering Trust of a Dog by Andrea Peebles. So like the Beagle, this is another dog that really showed this quite inspirational faith in its humans. So um, they had this dog, a little black Pekingese mix, and they spent half their time hunting for that dog. They lived in a rural community in Georgia. They lived on 26 acres, and everyone around them had a lot of acreage. And this dog was always wandering, but unlike most dogs, this dog had zero sense of direction. This dog could literally get lost walking to the mailbox at the end of their driveway. The dog wouldn't be able to find her way home. And so they really spent half their time going and finding the dog. And the neighbors knew, and they would see the dog. They would call and say, Andrea, your dog is here. She'd go pick it up. Or if there was no answer at her home, they'd put the dog in their cars and they would drive the dog back to the house because Mm -hmm. everybody knew the dog could not find her way home. 
So one time the dog was gone and, you know, for the first few hours they didn't mind because the dog was always found. But this time 14 hours went by and nobody called about the dog. And so they really started to get worried. You know, it was nighttime by then and they were driving around, you know, miles away from their home now. They were even driving on, you know, a fast road miles away and they were far down the road and they saw this little white thing or little black thing in the middle of the road and Andrea started crying because she thought, she thought, oh my God, it's our dog and she's in the middle of the road and she's been hit by a car. And so they pulled up next to the dog and Andrea was crying because she thought she was going to pick up the body. (laughs) The dog jumped into the car. She was fine, but she had been waiting on the yellow line in the middle of the road because (laughs) she had so much faith that they would always come and pick her up that when she was lost and nobody came to get her, she just went and stood in the middle of the road (laughs) knowing that they always would come and get her. It's really funny. I don't know whether the dog that the owners that mixed this whole thing fun. I know it's serious, but then it's a wonderful story in terms of the bond that stretches and then you don't realize it how much you miss the situation unless you put in a situation like this where you have to go out and find a dog. Oh yeah, it's terrifying. I mean, to Mm -hmm. see that little black dog way down the road, of course you would think the dog had been hit by a car. That dog was in the middle of the road you know, a 55-mile-an-hour road and miraculously didn't get hit. Chapter 9, Always the Protector, No Joking Around by Valerie Frost. So Valerie had a Doberman pincher, and people are always afraid of Dobermans because they have this reputation, but actually her dog was a total sweetheart, and she actually did obedience training with her dog and mm-hmm. went to these obedience trials, and... So she went to the obedience trial one day, and she had a friend who had a Siberian Husky. And even though her friend was a dog person, her friend was terrified of this Doberman. And so she was talking about how the friend realized, you know, that the dog was actually very, very sweet. But then she was in the car one day, and she had been in a store, and there was this guy in the store who was chatting with everybody, and she went back out to her car from the store and all of a sudden somebody appeared out of the shadows and Andrea was terrified because this guy like banged on the window of her car Mm -hmm. and the dog lunged this really sweet dog all of a sudden turned into the scary Doberman that it had always been accused of being, even though it wasn't and lunged at this guy. And Andrea saw that the dog really would be a protector for her. Uh, But it turned out it was just this chatty old guy in the store who Uh, was bringing her car keys that she had left on the counter. But her point Mm -hmm. was that the gentlest dogs will still turn into your protector when you need them to be that. That's wonderful. I chose a story, which is kind of interesting, because my dog, Pilly, is quite the opposite. When you come over to the house, like the mailman and all that, they're always afraid because he'll sound so fierce, growling and all that kind of stuff. He's big, right? He's 90 pounds. And yet, there are moments when at night where you hear something outside, there's a noise or something. He'll look at you to see whether you're going to check it out. I'm not going to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Like, yeah, you know, it's like, wait a minute, you're the dog. You're supposed to be protecting us. You have to be in the moment to see that. <laughs> that is funny. The big baby, the 90-pound dog. There you go. There you go. 
Chapter 10, Miracles Happen. The story is Sexy's Gift by Eileen Weintraub. Yes, so Eileen um, and her husband had lost their dog, um, and now it was time to get a new dog. And so their dog that they had loved was named Sachi, and they had had her for 12 years. And Eileen had this dream one night where Sachi came to her in this dream and without speaking somehow communicated to her that she was going to get a male brown Labrador retriever puppy, which had never entered Eileen's mind at all because Sachi was a little sharp pace. So she was a cute little dog and it would never have occurred to her to get a big Labrador retriever mm-hmm. like the one on our cover, a big, a big dark Labrador retriever. And so, but this is what Sachi told her in her dream. And so the very morning after the dream, Eileen went on the internet, opened up her computer to search rescues. And the first dog that she saw on the rescues webpage was a brown Labrador retriever puppy. And so she called them and she said, I have to have that puppy. And they said, well, you have to come to our next rescue event. We can't reserve the dog for you. Just come to the next event. And if you get to the dog first, you can have it. And so she and her husband rushed there, trying to be the first people there. And they met the dog, but then they were told that the dog had hip dysplasia. They really couldn't afford all those medical bills. And so they told the dog, we're so sorry, we can't rescue you after all but then their son looked at the dog's collar and the dog's collar said Remington on it so the name of the manufacturer of the dog's leash and that was their son's name so they said okay it was definitely meant to be and Sachi pre-approved it in the dream so they took the dog despite the hip dysplasia and then when it turned out when they went to the vet with their dog he said oh this dog doesn't have hip dysplasia at all he just walks funny and so <laughs> that was the dog that their dead dog picked out for them. <laughs> it's a beautiful story. Wonderful, wonderful story. What other lessons did you learn from the book? Well, there was another lesson that I thought was really cool, and that was mm-hmm. the lesson that sometimes you have to just let go and trust in other people's opinions, and it's something mm-hmm. we have to learn as humans. and. In this story, this woman, Amanda Creasy, she was visiting her parents in Virginia, and she loved taking her dogs out for their morning walk. And there were a lot of different walking trails there, and so she had you know, different ones in mind that she wanted to do each morning. And so one day she was going on the walk that she, the human, had decided they should go on, and her dog, Jack, just stubbornly planted his feet and would not move. And no matter what she did, he just glued himself to the ground. He would not move. He insisted on going a different way. So then she gave in, and she walked in a different way, letting this dog, Jack, lead the way. And he was so happy when she led him. It turned out that he led them down a path to this beautiful view of the Potomac River. And Amanda didn't even know that that view was there, and she never would have gone that way. And so she said, I realized that sometimes letting go, letting someone else Mm -hmm. take the lead, is the wisest decision that one can make. Beautiful. That's the whole idea of 
just kind of flow with life's rhythm in so many ways, and the dog can see it way before we could. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was, it is sometimes nice to let go and let somebody else lead the way, because you never know what great thing you're going to discover as a result. Mm -hmm. So true. Please give us a preview of Chicken Soup's summer lineup. So the next book that's coming out after Life Lessons from the Dog will be Chicken Soup for the Soul, Life Lessons from the Cat. That's going to come out in May. (laughs) And then in June, we have a really exciting book coming out called uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Running for Good. And I did this book with Dean Carnassus, who's this crazy like medical marvel. Um, He's one of the most famous runners in the country. He can run, you know, a hundred miles and Mm -hmm. usually in some crazy place like, you know, Antarctica or Death Valley or, you know, someplace (laughs) with extreme, very inhospitable conditions. He ran 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days at one point. I mean, he just does all these crazy things. And I made a book with him in, I think 2010 or 2009, and it was about running, and we decided we'd do another one. And this new book also covers walking. There's a lot of stories about walking. And it will really get you motivated to get out there and run or walk and just move your body outside and take advantage of the spring and the summer and improve your health and your mental outlook as well. So I'm really looking forward to that book, Running for Good, in June with Dean Carnassus. And then later in the summer, we're going to put out a book called Angels All Around, which is um, where we always do really well with our books about angels, miracles, messages from mm-hmm. heaven. So that will be coming out in August. And then in the fall, well, September, technically still summer, um, I'm doing a book with Deborah Norville. It's called Think positive, live happy. And it's all about positive thinking, gratitude, forgiveness, counting your blessings, how you can tweak your perspective Mm -hmm. to live a life that is happier and that's filled with passion and purpose and uh, get yourself out of whatever rut you might be in. So we have some really excellent books coming along, all of which will be filled with ideas for, for people to improve their lives. Fantastic. That's really, really wonderful. As we close the show, what recipes for living would you like to share with our listeners this morning? I would say I've got to go to this list of positive traits that these dogs showed in this book, (laughs) right? I mean, if we could just adopt a few of those traits, these would be great recipes for living a better life, whether you choose to be more open-minded about new people, whether you choose to you know, be friendlier, whether you choose to make sure that you're loyal, whether you choose forgiveness, because forgiveness really opens up your future, whether you use the dogs as role models of, you know, for resilience and courage, or whether you go that other way, which is that dogs teach you to live in the moment, to enjoy that little mm-hmm. bit of warm sunshine coming in the window, to enjoy those little things in life and make sure that you have fun every day, and that your to-do list includes some self-care, not just your chores. So these these are all the recipes for living that I learned from Chicken Soup for the Soul, Life Lessons from the Dog. That is wonderful. It's true, though, how much the dogs can really teach us about living and living a good life, that is. So true. 
Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, April 16th. My guest will be Kimberly Freitmutter. She is a certified hypnotherapist, a member at large of the prestigious UCLA Health System Board, the American Board of Hypnotherapy, the Association of Integrative Psychology, the American Board of Neurolinguistic Programming, and the International Hypnosis Federation. Kimberly is the hypnotherapist to the Hollywood A-listers, politicos, CEOs, and titans of industries. She connects them to their subconscious to get what they truly want out of life. Kimberly and I will be having a conversation about her life's journey and her latest book, Subconscious Power. Use your inner mind to create the life you always wanted. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a blessed day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.